This morning's scripture is from Psalm 77, verses 1 and 2, 4 through 7, and 11 through 20. I cry aloud, O God, aloud to God, that he may hear me. In the days of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearing. My soul refuses to be comforted. Selah. You keep my eyelids from closing. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old and remember the years of long ago. I commute with my heart in the, the, the night. I meditate and search my spirit. Will the Lord spurn me forever and never again be favorable? Are these his promises at the end for all times? Selah. I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember in your wonders of old. I will meditate in all your work and the muse, your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What good is so great as our God? You are the God who works wonders, who have displayed your might among the peoples. With your strong arm, you redeem your people, the descendants of Joseph and Jacob. When the waters saw you, O Lord, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. They were deep and trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies thundered. Your airs flashed on every side. The crash of your Lord was in the whirlwind. Your lighting was lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the mighty waters. Your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Miriam and Aaron. Here ends the reading, the word of God for the people of God. Since I found out at 9.30 yesterday morning that I was going to be preaching this morning, I would ask you to join me in a word of prayer. <laughs> oh God, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For, we, for this we pray in your son's name. Amen. In 1969, it seemed as if the world was falling apart at the seams. A tumultuous decade marked by assassinations, civil unrest, riots, the war in Vietnam. It was a dark time. CBS created a musical, musical documentary, Songs of America, about the 60s, and it, and it was a huge flop on delivery. It was just too dark 
for weary Americans to watch. They had lived the 60s day in and day out for years. The war on Vietnam was the very first war that Americans saw live every night on their TVs. And it was grim. Same for other news stories. The journalism of the time was faithful, but just a little too real. Too much for the nostalgic memories of the flourishing 50s. In the documentary, the popular singing duo Simon and Garfunkel appear on the screen and Art Garfunkel comments on America's imminent bicentennial. Do you remember that? It was going to happen in 1976. And Paul Simon, who is always aware of exactly where the camera is, gazes into the distance and in a solemn fashion responds, Think America's going to make it? Little did we know at the time that before the 1976 celebration, the first American president would resign on national TV in the midst of a scandal about a cover-up of a breakout at the infamous Watergate buildings housing the Democratic National Committee headquarters. The film made for TV was so unpopular that over a million people switched channels that night to watch ice skating on NBC. <laughs> now, you have to remember, our choices on TV were not too large at that time. It was significantly limited. However, there was one redeeming creative effort that emerged out of the film, Simon and Garfield's greatest hit, Bridge Over Troubled Water. Remember? The song is mystical. It's a gospel sound. It's sometimes referred to as a white spiritual, although I don't much care for that label. It speaks to the weary listeners about a better time. It was a song written by Paul Simon with credits to Art Garfunkel as well. And Art Garfunkel sings the... the the nostalgic lyrics. It was a huge hit. It was their greatest album ever. As New Orleans musician Paul Toussaint would later sing, the song had two authors, Paul Simon and God. The song packed a wallop to a, wallop to a suffering nation. Later, Paul Simon recalled listening over and over again to the Swan Silvertones. That was a group it was a, a recording, and they did a recording of the black spiritual, Oh, Mary, Don't You Weep. There was one line in that hymn, it, that spiritual, and it was improvised by the leading singer, Claude Jeter. I will be your bridge over troubled water if you trust in my name. That inspired Simon's creativity. And by the way, he later wrote a check to Jeter for the inspiration because he made a lot of money. Strangely, it would be the famous duo's last final collaboration as they split and went their own way solo in 1970. As we look at our text today, by the way, it comes from this week's lectionary, we find a psalm of lament, but it is uniquely different from most of the lamentations that are found in the early part of the psalms. 
attributed to Asaph, a choir master who is feeling the pain of disorientation. Do you remember that Russ talked about Walter Brueggemann's classifications, orientation, disorientation, and reorientation? Things are not going well for the choir master. He can't sleep. He is plagued by troubling questions that keep him tossing and turning through the night. I wonder if any of you have had that experience. A 16th century Catholic priest, St. John of the Cross, describes such occurrences as the dark night of the soul, where a person's soul is separated from God. In the case of St. John, he was imprisoned in a place where death and despair were rampant. For Asaph, his context is the Babylonian exile. Jerusalem has been destroyed by its conquerors, the mighty Babylonians. The people have been exiled to far and distant places. There is no longer a Davidic king. All seems lost. It is a dark time in the history of Israel, and hope is in short supply. How do you sing a song of hope in such dark times? The psalmist says to us, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God that he may hear me. In the days of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out with wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. He does not petition God for anything. He cries out in despair with his hand extended, not unlike the Hebrew people crying out for their bondage of slavery to Pharaoh. Asaph is not expecting anything from God. The separation from God is too great. He is filled with sorrow. There is no human cheerleader to come along and say, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. And it will save you from your suffering. For him, all is lost. This journey of the night is forsaken. Asaph is deeply ensconced in an existential crisis. Sleep deprivation alone would take its toll on him. He says, you keep my eyes from closing. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old and I remember the years of long ago. I commune with my heart in the night. I meditate and I search my spirit. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Are God's promises at an end for all times? I don't know about you, but I'm feeling Asaph's despair these days. Where is God? We are crisis fatigued. You know what I mean? Crisis fatigued. Day after day, the hits keep coming. COVID-19, January 6th, violence in the streets, shootings in schools and other public arenas, the war in Ukraine, food shortages, oil and gas prices that are way too high, climate change that is causing droughts. The list is too long to name. And if that's not enough, we are a deeply divided country that seems irreparable. And for me, the lightest blow was on Friday. When the, re when the ruling from the Supreme Court came out overturning a precedent, 50-year precedent 
for women's rights. It was one thing to know that the ruling was coming, but it was another thing altogether yesterday morning to wake up and know that we were living in a post-Roe world. The consequences of this action are overwhelming. I'm sure that within these sacred walls that we are not all of one mind. And for me, it is not political. It is made political, but for me, it is personal. It's about the right for a woman to have protection to control her own body. For me to control my body, for my children, for my granddaughters, my grandsons, for families to be able to make decisions about what they do, about their health. Like many of you, I emerged out of the turbulent 60s seeking equality, equity, and justice for all people. My eyes were open to a new understanding. If we were to be the whole people of God, we had to change our ways. Because the old system of dominance and control, power over people, was not working for the whole. Cultural issues became the litmus test for denying opportunities. And for women, it was a particularly hard battle, regardless of where you worked or where you lived out your life. For example, as a young clergywoman, I would apply for a ministerial position. If it was an associate position, I had a better than average chance of getting that call. Or for a senior position, a lead position, not so much. Litmus test number one. So, what is your stance on abortion? Litmus test number two. What is your stance on homosexuality? How do you feel about gay people being ordained? That was the real question. I found myself in the years following that mentoring young women who desired a call to ministry to use their God-given gifts on how to answer these difficult questions that were meant to deny opportunity rather than to accept women in ministerial settings. We have come such a long way. And Friday was a huge setback for the well-being of women in this country. And I know there are faithful people who are rejoicing in churches all over this country that Roe was overturned. But I'm going to tell you that's not me. And I don't think I'm alone here this morning. I asked my oldest son yesterday morning when I found out I was going to preach today, what is a good word in the words of the late Joey, Jer Je Joey Jeter that I could say to the people tomorrow? He paused and he looked at me and he said, perseverance. Interestingly enough, in the text this morning, Asaph finds this way out of despair in remembrance. The great recital of all things that God has done. And like a conductor, he lifts his baton and he leads us in chorus, in the great choruses, using strong words like remember, meditate, muse on God's mighty deeds. 
He reminds us that God hears the cries of the Hebrew people and delivered them out of bondage. Just as the organ was swelling this morning as we were singing, holy, holy, holy. I was reminded of this. The proclamation of the power of the Almighty. The waters trembled. The clouds poured rain out. The skies thundered. And God's lightning lit up the world. Last but not least, the word selah is used three times within Psalm 77. It is used 71 times in the Psalms. Well, what does it mean? Well, there are various thoughts on that in scholarship. No one is absolutely sure. Some say it is to exalt God. More often, it is translated as an interlude, a time to stop, listen, and reflect. In such times as these, the only place I can be is in worship to pause, listen, and reflect, and to reorient myself, or as my son suggested, persevere. I'm reminded of a conversation that I had a couple of months ago. I have a friend, a beloved friend, and she and I have stood on opposite sides of many issues, particularly political and religious spiritual issues. We just don't come from the same cut of cloth. You know what I mean? And so it happened to be the week that the leak came out about this ruling that came down on Friday. And it was just the two of us. And we sat down and we had a hard, hard, hard discussion to sit, to be still, to listen, and to reflect on what each other had to say. It was the most singular, difficult discussion I have ever had with her. And yet it was the most singular, holy time. I don't know, I wasn't there to try to change her mind. I was just trying to tell her how I felt what my experiences had been, and to listen to what her experiences had been. Because there is this polarization, this divide that keeps us from one another. I just know that in these dark times, I come here to have that litany, that recital, that memory of God and what God can do to be shared over and over again, to remind me that I am not alone, that you're not alone, that we're not alone, and that we may differ in our opinions and our places, but we are still God's people. And in the quiet interlude, as I worship this morning, I hear the tenor voice of Art Garfunkel and the inspired words and music of Paul Simon that God is my bridge over troubled water. <laughs> 